Good evening, and welcome to Intent and Instinct, Chapter 6, with Nick Walsh and Brett Kane. Good evening, Nick. Good evening, Brett. So it's been a week, and had some good ideas bouncing around, had some good experiences, a lot of things happening in our lives. How's the shoulder? The shoulder is doing better. Uh, it... Uh it's the mobility is increasing. Uh, there's still some issues with it. I talked to my trainer and I'm taking the week off from pull or from push movements, still training legs, um, still training back. I'll stay away from biceps, triceps, shoulders, and chest, sadly, which is many body groups. Um, just for at least this week, maybe even next week. Uh, I want to make sure that my shoulder is 100% so I can still reach those goals by the end of the year. I'm feeling healthy. I'm feeling strong. The changes I've made to my uh, training and nutrition are, are really starting to show. I'm starting to feel them, so that's good. And, you know, as long as I get legs and back in, for me, those are, even though my goal is highly tied to the bench press, that's more of like a marker than anything else. Legs and back are where the most important fitness happens in my mind. Uh, so the fact that I can still work out legs and back, that's great. That makes me happy. Absolutely. What, what do you think is the biggest pitfall that you know, people who uh, maybe haven't lifted before or just are starting to get into lifting or have been lifting a long time but maybe not the right way, what, what do you think some of the, those pitfalls are? Well, you listed a few different kinds of people, so let's tackle one at a time. Yeah, let's say people who have been lifting a while, but maybe not not the right way. People that have been lifting a while and not the right way, biggest pitfalls, one that pops into my mind, especially considering last week's injury. Uh, if you've been lifting for a while, you get complacent. Uh, so lifting with ego. You either have a number that you want to hit that and you're, you're more concerned with the weight on the rack rather than your form or uh, addressing muscular imbalances. So, so ego needs to leave. Oftentimes dropping 10, 20 pounds from a lift and doing it properly, one, it's going to be better for muscular growth. Two, it's going to help prevent injuries. And uh, three, it'll allow you to do proper form. So ego, uh, mixing up your routine for people that have lifted for a while and are not necessarily getting the results they need. Uh, mixing up the routine is good to add some variety. You know, I, I recently did that branched out and started doing kettlebell training. Uh, so those are the two things for for people of that, that fall into that camp. Excellent. Great, great insight. What about for people who are just getting into lifting? What are some things to do and, and not to do? Yeah, absolutely. The first thing is people that are just getting into lifting. Not everyone, but a lot of them, they either have the goal of putting on a lot of mass or taking off a lot of mass. And when you enter the gym, when you fall into one of those camps, and years ago I was in one of those camps, uh, you have this false sense that everybody's judging you. And at least from a male perspective, uh, when you're in the gym, it's actually a really supportive environment. And yeah, there are outliers and there are exceptions 
Uh, and there are times that people have been, have received a welcome they did not want, but by and large, the people you meet in the gym are concerned with themselves and only themselves. And any time that they're branching out of, outside of themselves and addressing other people in the gym, it's constructive and it's to help them out and it's to support them. Uh, I found the gym to be one of the most supportive places, at least from a male perspective for that. So get that out of your head as a beginner. They're, they don't really care. They're not paying attention to you. They don't care at all that you just put five pounds on the, the bench press bar and that's all you're adding. They're not laughing and saying, oh, look, look at how weak that guy is. Uh, to that end, the second tip would be ask for help if you need it or utilize the internet. Uh, the, the machines can look complicated. Uh, even a simple squat rack or a bench press can look weird to somebody who's never used one before. So use resources, bodybuilding.com, type in the exercise you wanna do. It'll pull up a 10 second video, shows you exactly how to do it, or just use the resources in the gym. Look, look at somebody who's in shape, wait until they finish a set, and just, even if they have headphones and you can tap them on the shoulder, hey, can you show me this real quick? They're gonna wanna do that. They're gonna enjoy sharing it's their It's a compliment expertise. to them. Yeah, yeah. So that's the second piece of advice for beginners. The third piece would be you have to push through those first two to three weeks. Those first two to three weeks, your body is going to feel like it's been hit by a train. I mean, literally, it's just going to feel destroyed. Every movement is going to ache getting out of bed. It's going to feel like you're being stabbed all over all the time. And that's not what people experience their entire lifetime career of, of being in fitness. That's the first two to three weeks or returning after a long hiatus. Your body adjusts. The level of soreness decreases uh, to a very manageable level after those few, first few weeks. So take it easy, but push yourself and know that after those first few weeks, one, mentally, your mind is going to grasp the fact that it can actually move more weight than it thought. So your numbers will go up considerably. And two, you'll adjust to soreness. So you got to push through those first few weeks. So in terms of avoiding injury, what would you say is a good way to differentiate between the 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 pain that you feel uh, when you're lifting, something's hard, something's heavy, you're breaking down those muscles to the kind of pain that's indicative you're doing this wrong and you're going to hurt yourself or it's too heavy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, anything that's sharp, that's, that's first off, especially when beginning, um, all, every time that you're, you're starting out with a muscle group, so say it's chest, Start out with three warm-up exercises. When I say warm-up, I'm talking you're using little to no weight, but you're doing the exact same motion that you would do in your first exercise. So a push-up if you're going to do bench. Yeah, or even just benching with the bar and only the bar. You need to check online or with somebody in the gym, make sure your form's correct. But after that, you always do those warm-ups. And the idea behind the warm-up is to get heat and blood and, and fluid through those joints. So you're not going cold. Uh, yeah, they absolutely need that heat and that warmth, and that's going to take a few minutes to, to build up. So that's why you're going to have multiple warm-up sets. You can Google what a warm-up set is and rest periods and all that. We don't need to go into that level of detail. But uh, 
so once you're warmed up and you're in, in, in an exercise, if you're experiencing sharp pain as opposed to burning pain, sharp pain probably, again, I'm not a licensed personal trainer. I'm just so he's been doing this for a few years, but sharp pain is pretty indicative of something going on with your joints or your bones or a tendon. And that's, that's where injury is going to happen. Burning pain is just your muscles wearing out. And in the beginning, that can still be a really unusual sensation and experienced weight trainers are so used to that feeling that they forget that that is questionable when you're beginning. You don't know if that's an injury or not. Uh, but after a, f a few weeks, you'll be able to differentiate between, okay, this was my muscle wearing out and that kind of pain or soreness versus this is something new. And anytime you're experiencing a new sensation, take it, take it easy, take, walk it in. Don't be afraid to stop, take off weight, and continue that same lift. A lot of people feel like, well, I just did that one set with 55 pounds, and yeah, it was, it was it felt like too much, and that was kind of questionable. I almost tweaked my shoulder or something. I'm not going to bother taking the weight off the bar, and you know, I'll just stick with the 55. Well, no, that was a sign. Take the weight off the bar. Listen to your body. Check. What have you got for me, brother? Well, I know earlier today when you and I were bouncing around ideas and just talking about stuff, you had mentioned a fight, uh, an organized fight, not a street fight that you, you were in and some different things about that night and, um, the organization of the fight card and stuff like that. I don't know if you want to talk more about that. Oh, absolutely. So this was, let's see, a couple years ago. <clears throat> and this was a couple years ago. And uh, I was going to school in Virginia. And we went out to uh, Newport. And this was uh, what's called Spartaca smaller promotion. You've heard of UFC, you've heard of Bellator. Spartaca is smaller, but it's growing. Primarily, it's built around uh, ex-military and veterans. And a lot of charity work that's done. This particular one was called TKO for the Tatas, raising money for, for, <laughs> <laughs> for uh, breast cancer. And I was, this was my second uh, organized MMA match, and I was fighting a guy named Michael Gardner. Now, uh, he was a little more experienced, and he looked like a fighter. You look at me, I look like just you know, some Mormon missionary. And uh, this guy, you know, he was cut, lean, number of tattoos, looked like a, a tough guy. And, and I tried to strike up a conversation with him before. You know, I, I, I like to talk to people just because we're fighting doesn't mean we can't be friends. And uh, there's the added bonus of that throws people off mentally mm -hmm. because they're not sure why you're talking to them, even if it is, in my case, genuine. So he wasn't having any of that. And the previous guy who I fought had spoken with him uh, a couple months before, and he came up to me and he says, this guy thinks you know, you're soft. You, know, you, should, you should beat him. And uh, this was a guy, uh, Alexei Kokush, and uh, he was from Kazakhstan, really cool guy. Ended up winning a welterweight belt. He and I fought each other at, at welterweight, which is 170 pounds. Uh, not 
an ideal weight for me to weight cut. 170 on the low end or the high end? Oh. On the, so 170 even. So in, in uh, professional MMA, they'll give you, you know, a one pound or, you know, a quarter pound difference. So 170. So in order to be in, in order to fight, yeah. you actually have a very specific weight range. It's not right. like welterweight is 165 to 175. Right. You have to be at 170 pounds. And if you're 173, it's not that you're in a different weight class. It's that you're in no weight class. You can't right. fight. Exactly. So what's the next weight up? So the welterweight? next weight up from welterweight, and this is MMA, boxing and MMA weights are, are vastly different. Mm -hmm. There are more weight classes in boxing. And I, and so the next step up from welterweight is, is middleweight, which is 185 pounds. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, an, again, an MMA. And so that's a much more natural weight for me. So same, if yeah. I was later in the year. Now, jiu-jitsu, I've not paid attention to competitive jiu-jitsu at all. I've only just done personal training. But what are the weight classes the same in jiu-jitsu as MMA? They're similar. But what you'll find in jiu-jitsu is uh, there's a lot more leeway. You can fight at a lightweight or an equal weight with your opponent, or you can choose uh, to fight you know, people that are in no weight class, or you can fight outside of your weight class. What they'll do a lot of times in tournaments is the winner of the lightweight will then fight the winner of the next weight up and so on and so forth. And is that because there's no striking? Because exactly, there's no striking. And, and really the idea of jujitsu is that a smaller physically a weaker person could still yeah. be a bigger opponent. Exactly. And so that's what you find in jujitsu. Yeah. Okay. Um, interesting. Good to know. Yeah, absolutely. So wasn't fine at, at uh, 170 anymore. I was at 185, much more natural for me. And before the fight, uh, this guy came up to me and he was much more impressive. Just super cut, super lean. And uh, his name was Mitch Aguiar, and he was a former Navy SEAL, and he trained with Alexei Kokush, and he told me that he had offered my opponent, my guy, Michael Gardner, 400 bucks to drop out of the event so he could fight me because no one else on the card wanted to fight him. And uh, my guy, unfortunately, said no, because I would have loved to have fight him. And he told me, he, and it was a real compliment, because he's like, I know you, you wouldn't back down. Uh, and, and I think he, he probably would have beaten me. Um, but I would have loved to have fought him. And he ended up fighting, but his guy uh, made, had the caveat of no strikes. So basically, it was just a grappling match, which Mitch won also. Uh, but this guy, Michael Garner, that I fought, we start out and you can see this fight on YouTube. I'll post it on our Facebook page as well. Um, but it was it was a really fun fight. Ended up uh, well. I'll let you guys watch it for for your own. But it was it was a good fight. Learned a lot, and uh, you'll see some moves. Definitely incorporate a lot of boxing, some judo, uh, which we haven't talked about yet. Uh, there's some hip throws. Uh, they're most notably performed the same hip throws that Ronda Rousey did when she was competing in the UFC. And uh, she's not competing anymore. She's at not all? competing anymore at all. No. In anything. In in WWE, although oh. that's so <laughs> that's not real. But no, uh, she's been inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame. The the and I'm glad you brought this up because what happened with Ronda Rousey, and we could get into a whole thing about, but 
she got away from her roots. Her judo and her arm bars were her bread and butter and no one had an answer for it. I think she was mismanaged. I think her trainer, uh, like you said, can't have ego, got a little too much ego. And he thought that, well, he must be such a good trainer if she's such a good fighter. But she was a good fighter before. She was an Olympic medalist and she really knew her stuff before this. Yeah, in judo. Uh, her, oh, wow. mom, her mom was too. Whoa. And, and then uh, her trainer said, well, why don't, you, why don't you start hitting the pass? Why don't you just do some boxing? And, and she was not a, a, an exceptionally skilled striker. And she lost badly to Holly Holm, who was a multiple weight division champion in boxing, world champion boxing. And Holly Holm beat her, knocked her out. After that, Rhonda really was just shocked and you know, couldn't handle that defeat. She comes back and this is where the UFC, and I could, I could talk for hours about the issues with the UFC. She comes back after a couple year layoff and they throw her into another title fight against Amanda Nunes, Brazilian, and her nickname is the Lioness. Um, or maybe the line, she's a lesbian. I don't know what, what she'd want to go as, but a uh, very good fighter. And she punched Ronda Rousey to unconsciousness in 48 seconds of the first round. And again, because her trainer told her, you can box, you can outbox. And, and after that, too much. So she, she has since retired. But that's, I think, the, the issue. You, know, you got to find your strength and it's, it's okay to branch out like you branching out to kettlebells. Um, but like you said, you know, you're focusing on your legs and your back and not worrying so much about these auxiliary muscles, like your biceps or your triceps, um, because those will come. Mm -hmm. And, and so, yeah, that's what I have to say about that, but watch, I'd love for you to watch your, my fight and, and hear your comments, listeners. Um, yeah check that box what else you got for me? what else you got for us well i'm looking forward to once we start training again i think uh we should put it on the calendar maybe uh, after six months of training you and i have a sparring night where we can invite our friends over and uh that would be and do that epic yeah. Love it. I'm thinking just jujitsu, no striking, just jujitsu. Jiu Absolutely. Well, you know, we would shatter the earth if we were to strike. <laughs> yeah. No, but, well, you, you know, we've had such epic battles before. Everything from, you know, practice swords to pillows. Yeah. And we've done some damage even with, with pillows. So. It, it's going to be interesting though, because it, that'll be the first fight where we'll, we will have married our technical skill and new levels of physical fitness. The last time that you and I seriously sparred on a regular basis, we, we did not have the level of physical fitness we have now. We had the technical skill or at least uh, a portion of it, but not, not that fitness. So, so combining the two, it's going to be a pretty interesting fight, especially just because of our dynamic as far as having trained so much 
years ago in the, uh, together. Absolutely. And it'll be interesting because you are, you know, a lot stronger than me, but I've gotten more into weightlifting recently as well. And so that'll be interesting. Well, right now, I don't think I am a lot stronger than you. I think my back is my upper back. But besides that, I think we're, we're pretty even now, six months from now. That might be a different story because I'm on I'm on the path and I'm on the path hard. I know you are too, but I'm I'm determined. Yeah. And you've it. already been there, so that's gonna be yeah. a whole different yeah. different thing. But that'll be good. And it'll be interesting though, you know, because I, I do have more jujitsu yeah. background. So I think it's it's gonna be I think you know on paper. I'm, I'm curious. Like it's gonna I'm curious because you do have more jujitsu and more MMA training than I do. Uh but you pick it up so fast, and I think it. I really think that it's going to be a fantastic match, and we'll we'll make sure that this is captured on film for you listeners. Yeah, that'll and, be fun. Uh, yeah, it'll be good. That'll be fun. Besides that, I would like to plug next. So next week we're going to be gone. We're we're going to be off. Now for the listeners, this episode, this this chapter that we're recording right now won't be put up until early next week. But next week we're not recording. So it's going to be two weeks from today until there's like a new episode besides this one. Right. Which is fine. It should work out. But I'd like to plug that. And it's tentative. But we were talking about art and science and how the term art of finds its way into things that you would not necessarily view as artistic in the traditional sense. I'd love to focus for a full episode on that concept alone. But right now, for, to tease it, you, you were talking about this uh, book series, and it's also a television show. Yes. Called Longmire. That's and right. a scene that brought this up in your mind. If you could bring up that scene... Absolutely. This idea. Really, really cool instance. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, Nick. So the Walt Longmire Mysteries by Craig Johnson, also a television show as seen on Netflix. Great show, by the way. Great books, too. You actually got me the, the first book, and that was I had seen the show before reading the books. Uh, and they, they're different, but they, they stack up well together. I, I think that they're both excellent, which isn't always the case. But in this particular scene, uh, this uh, particular book is called An Obvious Fact. And there's a scene where the undersheriff, Victoria Moretti, uh, is entered into this uh, skeet shooting competition, clay pigeons shooting with shotguns. And she's shooting against, this is her first time. She's a police officer. Obviously, she's been through the academy. Uh, She's shot people who are shooting back at her. Uh, but she's never shot a clay pigeon before. And she's shooting against a champion clay pigeon shooter, and he is actually the one in charge of this competition. And they're going back and forth, and it's pretty neck and neck. Uh, And uh, the narrator says that the champion, he is very methodical, very scientific in his approach because it's so practice. Whereas Victoria Moretti's character, Vic, it's all art. It's raw, first time, pure and simple art. Because she she's not a trap shooter, she's a shooter. And he says that art 
just clean science's clock. And she ended in up that in, in, that, that in that instance. Exactly. It was a really, really well-written scene. And uh, he it ends up that the champion taking 12 shots, he misses the last pigeon. Again, these are, are double barrel shotguns. So they got two shells misses the last pigeon with the first shot hits it with the second. So he scores an 11 and a half and she ends up hitting the last two pigeons with one shot. So she wins. So pretty fancy shooting, but again, that's a great example of, uh, you know, art trumping science. Um, and you know, you hear things like you were saying that aren't necessarily what you would think in the traditional traditional sense as being art. You know, we talk about martial arts, the art of war. And even in school subject language arts. So I think that art, there's a lot more, more applications than we would give it credit for and not to disparage science, but we'll definitely explore that next time. Absolutely. So, Thank you for sharing that story about fighting, Brett. I hope you listeners enjoyed hearing that and uh, hearing us discuss training in the gym, moving towards the gym, and what's coming down the pipeline for us as far as jujitsu. That's going to bring a lot to our podcast when we start training again. It will really tighten the relationship between intent and instinct. So until next time, thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us. Please like our Facebook, subscribe to our different feeds, comment on Facebook and Twitter, and follow us on Instagram. Let us know what you're thinking, and we'll address it on the podcast. This has been Intent and Instinct. Good night.